Hello, and thank you for joining Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. My name is Ashley Burrell. I'm the Secretary of the Board for Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. We will be producing monthly podcasts featuring women of color in the peace and security field. So please visit WCAPS.org regularly for more details. Hello, I'd like to welcome you to another WCAPS podcast. My name is Bonnie Jenkins, and I am the Founder Executive Director of Women of Color Advanced Peace, Security, and Conflict Transformation. And it's really my pleasure to welcome another, another very distinguished woman in the area of, who works in peace, security, conflict, and uh, other issues related to those topics. Um, her name is Eunice Barika, and she's actually in Cameroon in Africa. And I had the opportunity to meet uh, to meet her when I was in Ghana with her. We were both in Ghana for a uh, an event uh, on nuclear nonproliferation issues and nuclear policy issues, and um, and there and it was a it was a, a event for women, and so it was very enlightening. It was a really great experience, and so uh, Eunice is one of the women I met, and I and I certainly wanted to. Reach, make sure that I stayed in touch with her so that she could do a podcast so all of you can hear about the wonderful things that she does. Uh, so with that, I'm going to ask Eunice to introduce uh, herself to you. So Eunice, uh, say hello to our folks. Hi, hi. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me. And um, I look forward to this discussion. It's my pleasure. Great. So uh, Eunice, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background and uh, where you're from and, and, uh, and uh, what you're doing now in Cameroon. Right. I'll be glad to do that. Um, like Bonnie mentioned earlier, I am Eunice Barika and I am the Deputy Vice Chancellor of Administration at the ICT University Cameroon campus. And I'm also the founder of vcademy.com. I am Cameroonian by birth, born and raised, and spent the better half of my life here in Cameroon before moving to the United States to pursue college education. Great, and um, where, tell us a little about you, what you did, where you went in, in the US, where you went to school and, and things like that. Oh, absolutely. I actually did my, um, first of all, before moving to the US, like I mentioned earlier, I did my primary secondary and high school studies in Cameroon, um, after which I moved to the U.S. in my late teens to, pro to, to pursue um, undergraduate and graduate education. I did complete my bachelor's degree in management information systems um, at Our Lady of Lake University in San Antonio, Texas, and my graduate studies um, in the University of South Florida in Tampa, uh, Florida. And um, right after college education, I did have a couple of opportunities from undergrad and graduate studies to actually um, work in the corporate world over there. And um, like I mentioned earlier, um, I did uh, work mostly in the field of technology. And um, I did have the opportunity as well to gain a lot of experience um, right after my education, which kind of prepped me into my current career as the Deputy Vice Chancellor of Administration. And um, just a little bit more about the, the university where I currently work at is um, it's a university that actually operates in Cameroon, Uganda, and we're actually working on opening a, a campus 
in Nigeria. And uh, we operate on a purely US-based curriculum for our bachelor's, master's, and PhD programs. And um, we do have graduate and undergraduate students, but most of our graduate programs are online and our undergraduate courses are online and on-site at the different campuses. And um, it's been quite an interesting experience as to how I, you know, left from the U.S. and transited into this role, which I'll be glad to talk a little bit more about as we progress in our discussion. Okay, well, let's do that. Let's let's, let's start from uh, when you were here in Texas and Florida. Um, what what was what was your major at at Texas? In Texas, I did an undergraduate in management information systems. Mm-hmm. And that's at our Lady of Lake University in San Antonio. And when I went to grad school in Tampa, Florida, the University of South Florida, my uh, master's was in information systems and decision sciences. So and, quite a technical mm-hmm. background. And what, what, what was the basis of your interest in that field? I will say this, when I, uh, it, it, it was quite interesting because when I first got to the US, I really wanted to do law. <laughs> and um, at the time I was told that, well, I mean, you're African, you have an accent, <laughs> you probably won't be able to practice any law in the United States. So um, uh, later I considered, you know, social work because it was a passion of mine, helping people and making a difference. but. When I saw the opportunities in technology and I, you know, the, what technology could do, I saw it as a means of making a difference down the road. And um, I got really curious because I tell you what, before I got to the U.S., I, I never really knew how to turn on a computer. And um, I know this sounds really funny, but in my first programming class, uh, or my computer class, I think it was, I had to look for where to turn it on. And to think that, you know, I've gone such a long way to the point where not only I ended up applying technology or using technology throughout my career, but I taught in the area of technology and today encouraging people in different, uh, you know, in studying and pursuing technology, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa because of the potential that it has in um, bringing people out of poverty and all of that. Um, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. It's been a, a long journey, but that's how I came about finding myself in this field and working in the field. Mm. So um, just for one second, I, I, I'm, I'm struck by the, well, you said the comment that you shouldn't do law because you had an accent. Um, um, yes. Did that strike you as a strange statement when, it was, when they said that to you? Well, at the time, I, I thought it was, it was strange. I, but again, I think that, um, you know, as I, by, by the time I got to the U.S., through my interactions with people, I was getting, getting subtle messages of me being a little bit different because of my accent and all of that. So I kind of felt like that validated the fact that really I couldn't do law. And, I mean, in retrospect now, I see that it wouldn't have um, really been an issue because sometimes... If you don't have the right mentors around you, you can easily be um, be misdirected, or you know they can make you feel that there are certain limitations, which might not really be the case. But um, I'm not 
I, I believe that everything worked out for good because even the field in which I find myself today, I've been able to do much more than I expected. So um, yes, that's, that's really how that turned out. And, and one more question about your, you know, before we transition to your return uh, to Africa, um, you, did you, what was the transition like going to Texas from, from Africa? Uh, that is a very good question. I um, actually, when I came uh, to the United States, I first spent maybe a, a semester at Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas, um, before moving to uh, to Our Lady of the Lake University. Um, Transition-wise, it's interesting because to me there was um, a culture culture shock. Um, in, in different ways. I mean, it was a whole different experience for me. The, the, for a while, I remember when I first got to the United States, I never used to really understand all accents. <laughs> As time went on, I could understand all the shows and programs on TV. So I had to learn that. I had to learn uh, to live in a, you know, quite, quite organized in the, in the way things were done in general at school, in the workplace. And so to me, there was a lot of learning. And yes, culture, culture wise, it was different. I mean, I come from Cameroon, where um, you know, our two main languages are English and French. You know, we tend to lean more um, in resemblance to, to the way the French do, do things here in Cameroon. But in the United States, it, it was a whole new, new world. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was different. So, in terms of uh, education-wise, I mean, I went to boarding school for the most part when I was in Cameroon. And coming over there to the United States, I was independent. I had to live on my own. I first lived in the dorms, and then I uh, got an apartment. I had never lived on my own in that way. So that was my introduction to uh, adulthood. And I, start, I had to learn how to make decisions for myself, um, to choose courses, a, a lot of decisions which you know, initially we made just, you know, almost entirely by my parents. And um, one thing that is quite different in the education system in, in Cameroon and in the United States is that by the time that you actually get into college, your path is already predetermined in the sense that, you know, if you study history or math, that is exactly, if that's what you studied in high school, that is exactly what you're expected to continue with college but the United States gave me an opportunity that I wouldn't have had here in Cameroon in that even though I studied um, language and and um, history I was able to come to the United States and study computer science which is something that would never have happened here in Cameroon so I mean there are a lot of um, discrepancies which really worked out for my good at that level um, which I can <laughs> go on and on about but um yes that's that's really um some of some of the uh, uh, the learnings i had when i just moved to the united states and 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 were you i guess san antonio were there were there there's were there a number of uh african americans there or, or people of color when you were at, at the school uh, at, when I was in San Antonio, I will say no, they really weren't. And it's interesting because um, in my school, specifically at Lady of Lake University, 
and not to talk about international students from Africa. I took on that volunteer role to drive the school van to pick them up from the airport. So I basically knew every new international student that came on campus. And at the time, I don't think we were more than 10. It was quite a big campus with maybe a thousand or more students. Um, and so it was, a, it, and, and the, the, the African-American community on my campus wasn't really, wasn't really huge. I don't really remember us having any um, sororities at the time. I just remember that um, there, were, there were other sororities, but I mean sororities that were really for African-Americans. The crowd just, we just didn't have many um, African-Americans on campus. So, you know, it was very different. The interaction there was very different than when I moved to the University of South Florida, which was a lot more diverse than what I um, experienced at Our Lady of Lake University in San Antonio. And, and one more question, uh, why, what, what led you to um, go to that particular school in, uh, in the US? What led you to going to San Antonio? Uh, yeah, so when I was at, uh, in Houston, I attended a community college. So I did go to uh, uh, Texas Southern University, but I also attended a community college um, in, in Houston. And uh, a lady of Lake University happened to have a satellite campus on that campus. I think it was called North Harris Community College. And that's how I um, learned a little bit more about them. And it was a private university. It was, it was uh, Catholic. And because I came from that you know, boarding school, school background, uh, the transition just really seemed easy to move to another religious boarding school and um, I didn't have much orientation I must I must say that in terms of other schools that I could attend and um, that will be for another podcast because there's been a lot of learning there's a lot of learning along the way and I do actually um, I actually use some of what I learned to speak to a lot of minority uh, minority students from minority backgrounds especially from Africa because um, even when outside the community college, you know, never did I, uh, was I ever told, did I know that, you know, grades got transferred from, com from community college to certain universities and, and things like that. So what I always tell, you, you know, it, it, to us, we just felt like uh, the orientation I got was such that you leave community college, what really matters is what you 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 do in terms of your grades at the university level so when i got to the university and i was making a's and the first semester i didn't quite have a 4.0 i was very surprised um and i asked why they said well your grades got transferred from community college and it did it does apply it did apply on that campus where i went to but what i got earlier was that it didn't always apply so there were things i didn't know about I did, you know, like Ivy League schools, about what it took to get into different schools and things like that. So the orientation was very limited for me. And um, these days, you know, I try to advise people about how to find some of this information so that they can be better informed in terms of knowing all that is out there. Even, you know, schools like HBC, HBCUs and, uh, and, and just all the opportunities that are out there, you'll be surprised by how much uh, information is limited on some campuses and, and um, 
So to answer your question, how did I find out about our Lady of Lake University? Just happened to, they just happened to have an office there at North Harris Community College. I walked in and found out that, okay, they were offering some courses that I, I was potentially interested in. I applied and I was admitted. That's how my um, education career uh, continued at our Lady of Lake University. Okay, great. And, and so talk a little bit now, let's, let's switch back to um, your, your, your uh, going back home to, to Africa and Cameroon. Um, tell us about that, that decision and to go back and, and maybe that was always your, your intent to go back. But talk a little bit about that transition back home. Sure, I um, actually moved back to, or I came back to Cameroon to take on this new role in 2013. Um, after my last corporate job ended, I was looking for something different. I wanted a role in which I could apply my skills to make things better, to improve work processes, cut back um, inefficiencies, and create an environment in which people could excel in their strengths while increasing productivity as a result. Um, there were certain things that I'd always desired, which I really couldn't do. Uh, on my last job in the corporate world. And um, I also had that desire to work in Africa for about two years as part of my career plan, but never got to doing it. And um, when this opportunity to move back to Africa presented itself, I decided to take on the challenge. Did I take a huge pay cut? Yes, <laughs> I actually did. Um, but it has been very rewarding otherwise. Um, I have learned a much about doing business in Africa. I've been a part of coaching a huge student population about their career future. Um, I have had the opportunity to mentor and connect other colleagues with mentors. And, and um, I have actually redirected an organization into a path for growth as I observe the results um, of, in the decisions that we jointly make or that we jointly made under my leadership. So there is a whole lot that um, has transpired as a result of getting into this field and moving back to take on this role. Um, and prior to entering, getting into this position, I, I had taught information systems uh, classes and, and I also held the role of administration or administrative and academic officer at the university. Um, and um, before taking on that role, the, you know, uh, before moving to ICTU, I held several positions in the corporate world, um, like I mentioned earlier, and it was not just in the corporate world, but in the field of education that prepared me for this role. While, uh, while being a graduate student, or as a graduate student at um, University of South Florida, I taught undergraduate classes um, in computer information systems. And um, right after that, I also hold, held different corporate training roles, um, implementation, subject matter expert, project lead, and quite a few uh, roles before I wrapped up my career in the chemical industry as a knowledge management expert um, with the Dow Chemical Company in Midland, Michigan. Uh, and so taking this role in academia in, in Africa, you know, it, it was quite an easier transition for me. And, and what are some of the, what would you say were some of the challenges in, in that transition? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's great to hear, you know, that some of the things you achieved and you, for example, you know, when you were out in Florida and, 
and the, and the teaching you did and things like that, which helped to set you up for where you are now. Um, what were some of the challenges that you faced um, that you feel that you obviously have overcome now? Um, describe some of those. Okay. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, did I encounter challenges? I sure did. I mean, challenges from reverse culture shock and even change management within the organization. Uh, when I took on the job, I thought it would be easy and my ideas will always be welcome, especially because I could see how it would benefit the organization and, you know, and the employees as well as students. But um, that really wasn't always the case. Um, however, as a leader, I, I have learned to communicate and I have learned to listen. I've learned the difference between listening with my heart and listening with my head. And um, I learned quickly that every job is a new job and needs its own new strategies. When I got there, I, I want to use the term hit the ground running, right? I hit the ground running. I, you know, had all these goals and, and timelines, but I had to learn how to slow down and get people to move along with me. <laughs> um, as it is, the work culture here is very different than it is in the in the US. So, you know, I had to learn how they approached um, different issues, how they approached their roles and work, and I had to introduce what I thought um, will definitely help benefit the the, 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 you know, our growth, um, I quickly had to, I quickly had to uh, realize that the work culture that I came from or had lived in in the past 18 years was quite different from what I was experiencing. And so I had to adopt um, the best practices without ruining what already existed that was good and also to get them on board with what we were trying to accomplish. And so though that transition was, slow but we got there and we're you know every day it's getting better as we see results so how many women are uh working with your or in your i guess it's department i'm not sure how to call it but you know how many women are there with you in in leadership we are just two women and mm -hmm. um what i what i want to mention at this point also is that one of the challenges that i had was you know coming back and in a leadership role was that I was young, younger than most of um, my peers, all of whom were men that um, actually were in their, you know, 60s and above. So um, in, in Africa, it's, you know, it's, uh, we face this everywhere, but in Africa, you're also regarded as a woman, you're regarded as a younger woman and the culture in most in most uh, places in Africa, or at least I can speak for Sub-Saharan Africa, is that women don't really get to talk. If they get to talk, <laughs> they might also be perceived as being, you know, very, what um, I don't know if aggressive is the word. So you kind of have to be careful about not coming across as offensive or, or um, commanding, um, commanding your peers that are men. But, you know, to, to find a, a way of synergizing your efforts. And so one of the, one of the little things that might kind of come across, uh, which might be insignificant in the American culture, is the fact that here, typically, people 
women don't look at men in the eyes so we, or or as a as a, as an aspect of respect they don't look at senior people in the eyes whereas in the united states if you speak with a senior person and you don't look at them in the eyes for the most part it might be considered as if you're not being honest if i'm not wrong i mean it can be perceived a little bit different differently but here <laughs> you you know there were little cultural aspects that I had to learn in order to um, work better with my team. So yes, in terms of the number of women in our, in our organization is very limited. Also thinking of considering the fact that is we're highly, we're, we're quite, a, we're highly focused in technology. I would say um, we probably have about um, for every woman working in the organization, we have, maybe about 10 men and that's kind of how it is so how do you deal with that every day what, what do you what do you, how do you um i mean for example you mentioned that you have to not come off a certain way you have to speak your you, you want to speak your mind but you have to do it in a certain way so it's not going to come off uh culturally wrong or incorrect how do you how do you how do you manage that i get that question very often from young women about you know, because I know in the U.S., I mean, you know, there's a stigma that if you're a woman and if you speak a lot and say a lot, then you're like too aggressive, you know, and if there was a man, you don't get that, you know, it's fine. That's just the way they are. Um, but it's kind of seen, they try to make it seem negative, you know, and that has its reasons. I mean, it makes you quiet if, you, if you're seen as negative. Um, so there's a real basis for why that's the case. It's not really right. Um, and, uh, and not, you know, the correct way to be. But it's, you know, I get that question. And so apparently, you know, the, the younger generation uh, also still feels that. And, um, and so how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you, how do you balance that? Right. Well, thanks for asking that. I think in a context in, in Africa, for instance, I have learned to not have that glaring stare which is which really wasn't the case in the first place and I make sure like a little body language technique I know this is not much or the you know all of the answer but I tend to mirror what they're saying and I tend to just kind of uh, you know repeat just you know improve on my communication skills really and uh, in cases where I feel like they are feeling a little bit insecure or feeling a little bit um, that I am coming on to them, I make sure that I, you know, coming on strong to them, I make sure that I explain or at least I try to bring them to see it from my perspective, you know, sometimes even by, uh, by um, having them repeat what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to communicate just so that they, you know, we kind of get on the same page. It's not, and it really varies from from person to person, depending on who I'm, whom I'm speaking with. Of course, if I'm, you know, visiting, a, you know, a leader, somebody in a government office, the way I'll communicate with them is different than somebody within my organization. So I tend to really be flexible, but I, I, I really watch out for, um, for their communication skills and I kind of, you know, their, their ways of communicating. And I try to, you know, work with that in a way that um, the way I communicate back doesn't really bring out any um, thoughts of confrontation or 
or or any of that. Obviously, it's you you won't always be successful at getting through to the other person. But I think that a lot of times, if you you know, when I get people to see things from my perspective, when I take my time to explain <laughs> or to get them on the same page with me, they they understand what you know where I'm trying to get to. Um, I remember though in the in the uh, you know when I had a corporate job in the in the U.S. On the contrary, I I wasn't um, very expressive. I wasn't very you know vocal, and um, sometimes that was misconstrued for not being very engaging. You know, and you know, like you said, sometimes when you engage, it's it came across as as, I was as if I was trying to be really forceful with my ideas. So, I mean, I just think that you know, at the end of the day, you try to find a balance. You know, if you know, as by asking questions and by trying to, you know, uh, use communication skills, some of the communication skills in, in, you know, for example, you know, if someone asks a question, I'll get back to them and let them know what I understand, what, you know, I, just to be sure that I am on this, you know, I'm, we're on the same page and I am clear in my response. So uh, there are things that you really can avoid at the end of the day. Um, in, in, in Cameroon, for example, even if you communicate well in certain uh, circumstances, just because you're a woman, they still wouldn't really like the aspect that, you know, you're trying to tell them what to do, even if it's for the good of the institution. And you just have to, to deal with that. I do know of certain religious groups where they actually, um, you know, don't appreciate women telling them, you know, what to do, even if they're in leadership, but you also have to deal with that and let them see why you're doing what you're doing. And that's really the best you can do. And that's the way I, I handle that. Yeah, I guess it, that does get tiring after a while, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> it's, it certainly it's does. Work. It's yes. extra work that you have to do just to yes. accommodate other people when, yes. when, you know, reality, you just want to get your work done and do your work. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. Do yes. you have allies there? I mean, male allies who you can, who you feel understand? I actually do. You know, in every, in every group, there is always going to be somebody that really understands where you're coming from and what you're trying to get at. I must say that one of the bigger challenges for me was, um, you know, getting people to move from a list, you know, move from a laissez-faire and lax attitude towards work, and 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 to be able to move them from that stance and to get them to really be more disciplined. Um, I don't know in, in general if you're a little bit, uh, you know, familiar with the French culture. I'm not saying that we're adopting all of that, but I'm talking about certain aspects about, you know, if you go to France, you know, people have two hour lunches and things like that, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But um, in our context here, sometimes, you know, um, I learned a lot of good things from the United States about, you know, being, being on time, about, you know, setting goals, about making sure that those goals align with the corporate goals and, and things like that, which, you know, I, I, I made sure that I incorporated into what we're doing um, in, in our organization. Whereas um, 
it wasn't always the case. And one thing that I noticed about employees that are not very, um, I would say employees that are, I, I really not see, not very serious is that they don't like accountability. It's very, very common to find people here that, you know, that don't really like to be held accountable. But a good thing, and the one, one good thing that I noticed is that why we set those goals in organizations and institutions in, in, in the United States, it's so that, you know, we are able to hold people or each other accountable and make sure that we're driving towards something without goals you don't really have uh, a good sense of of direction you might think you have it all in your head but it's really not the case so i did a lot of restructuring in that space to make sure that okay um we really had you know they were able to give us some results at the end of the month quarterly and all of that so um yes definitely there were some changes. There've been a lot of changes that I've been able to bring into the space in that regard. So, um, so do you find that there are young women um, in who are um, who who who? I mean, what what do what what's what's the sense of young women in that environment and what they see in terms of only two women in you know, in the leadership position? I mean, do you, do you get questions? Do they look and wonder? Do they say anything? Do they just say that they accept it as it is? Or, I mean, what, what, or do you get a lot of questions about it and, and, and do a lot of mentoring um, and let them know about, you know, this can change in the future? And, you know, what, what, what do you hear from them? What do they ask? Uh, yes, I think that um, we're trying to really change this within our corporate culture. We're trying to make sure that more women are involved, not just in leadership. And by trying, um, we've been trying. We've been re- working quite a bit in in terms of recruiting women into different positions where they can shadow and have a body system with other people in leadership. And um, it's, it's a slow process, but we're getting there because we believe that through this body relationship, um, I feel that they can easily move into some of those roles that are currently being held by men. Because, you know, I, one of my goals is to really empower young women, you know, in, 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 in their roles to know that, okay, um, you can do better. It's not really a male or a female thing. It's not, um, you're not doing this kind of role because you're a woman or he's not doing that kind of role because he's a man. It might've been that initially. I, I, you know, I wouldn't really say that for our organization specifically, but we are working at making sure that there is that good balance. Um, in roles and it's in progress it's in progress do they ask questions uh, some of them do some accept it as it is and they do because it's very common it, it is what they see day by, day by day you know in with the way the country functions and I won't, I won't talk much on that but we're trying to make sure that you know women are really empowered because from my experience women really you know, in leadership positions, really, really not only speak for other women, but they've, it's been proven that women also make very good leaders. So it's not really 
uh, it shouldn't be a sexist thing. It's really about you know performance and what they are bringing to the table in terms of contribution. So I want you know my employees or to know that um, they are also valued, not because of you know because they are women, but because of what they are currently bringing and what they can bring to the table. So, so, um, so what do you see as, as, do you see that changing the, uh, the ratio of men to women there and understanding the culture and the difficulties that women have? I mean, and you, do you see that it, it will change in the future, you think? Um, well, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's going it's, it's going to change. Is it going to be equal? I'm not sure. But um, what I want to say is that for us to really get there, our women need to be trained. Our women need to be equipped. It can't just happen, you know, um, because it can't just happen because they are women. They have to be given the opportunities as well. And so um, that's what I, I am I am driving at. For one, I started recently uh, a STEM organization, STEM standing for science, women in science, technology, engineering, and math. And um, what I realized is that our women are not very equipped. We need that capacity building. And um, we need to get them ready for these positions because it's a tough sell to walk up, you know, in a board meeting and say, we want more women here without being able to show evidence of the fact that they're actually qualified to fit into that role. And I don't know um, of any better way um, in terms of what, you know, I'm implementing at this time to make sure that our women have that body system with a lot of the men in the organization for easy transition. I mean, there is a lot more that we're working in the, in the background, but I think that in, in terms of, you know, our organization and the community, I think that it, it could, it could happen <laughs> for the community, but we need to empower women a lot more. We need to do a better job at getting us um, up to speed with what's really happening in the society today. Yeah, it, it means that and also finding allies, male allies who will also yes. promote it. So yes. um, before we go, could you talk, talk a little bit about, you just talked about your organization. Could you talk a bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I did mention a little bit more about um, the ICT University. And um, it really, it, the ICT University started as an online training education platform or university. And um, uh, we actually had our first campus in Cameroon in the year 2012. So in Cameroon is, is still quite a baby. And, um, and why we chose the US curriculum is because we were looking at something that will give, will, will give the students a little bit more hands-on training. Um, and I think that we, we kind of analyzed different curriculums and we wanted to introduce that US system of education here in Cameroon. And since then, um, there is a campus in Cameroon, there is the campus in Uganda, and we're in partnership with universities like um, Makerere University Business School in Uganda. And we're soon to launch uh, another campus in Kaduna. And um, Kaduna, that happens to be in Nigeria. And, um, and so 
we, we have a lot of our students that take classes online, which, you know, this is fairly new uh, in Cameroon because what happens is that there are a lot of uh, schools that record uh, trainings and put online for students to kind of go back and, and, and watch and take exams. But we decided to use the format where we actually have live trainings. And um, so this is really how we, we, we operate in the region. And uh, our goal at the university is really to provide quality ICT and managerial training for Africa, Latin America, Car the Caribbean, and Asia. And um, so recently, I did mention about um, vicademy.com, which was birthed out of this. And what Vicademy is striving now are doing is also to offer some really short trainings. Because what we realized is that in Cameroon, for example, um, prior to the work that we're doing here, there are a lot of people that have, Cameroon is one of the most, you know, the, the countries in sub-Saharan, it's the most educated country in, in sub-Saharan sub Africa, I should say. But what happens is that you have a lot of people with degrees, bachelor's, master's, and they don't have any hands-on training. And we already have a lot of these people in the workforce that, that um, are not ready to quit their jobs, to come back and sit down to do a full bachelor's program and all of that. So um, I came up with uh, vcademy.com, which is an online training platform as well for such people to actually interact with a lot of skilled uh, resources in the United States to, to um, help them update their skills through online training to prep them for uh, future roles. And so um, that's the kind of training that we've been very engaged with in, in Africa. And really a lot of people are, uh, I mean, I, I would say I find pleasure in seeing a lot of our, our graduates go through the programs amongst all odds. And, and today some of them are self-made entrepreneurs and are actually working to bring some of these technologies in the organizations where they work. So, it's really been a, a good change, which is beneficial, has been beneficial to other organizations in the area. So this has been great. And, and I'm wondering, um, you, you, you made some really interesting um, points about um, some of the challenges and, and, you know, it's really extremely commendable that, you know, you're one of two female leaders there. I mean, it says a lot about your capabilities and also the, obviously the role model that you're, that you are for other uh, young women out there and 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 men as well. Um, it, what would be so? I guess if I, if you had um, and you've already stated some things about you know having women needing to be prepared and things like that. Um, I'm wondering if you had any other um, just final thoughts about you know you know for young women who may be listening to this from any place in the U.S. or around the world about you know how you've overcome your challenges and and accomplish some of the things that you've done and just anything that you would, any advice you would impart to them? Well, absolutely. I, um, what I really want to say is that in your career, you know, never stop learning and never, never give up. You know, you will fail at something. You will fail in an attempt or whatever, 
you might be trying to achieve. You, 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 there's a potential that you will not always get it the first time. But, you know, if you, if you don't make it the first time, try again. You learn from your mistakes and, and move forward. And um, even at the level, you know, within your car career, you, you know, there are always going to be challenges. It could be with race. It could be the, be the task at hand. Um, there will always be challenges, but let that not limit you in any way. Let that not stop your drive towards accomplishing what you, um, what you have in mind. And, um, you know, you're unique <laughs> and um, you have a God-given potential. So, um, you know, and there will always be, you know, naysayers or people that might, might not be there to really promote you. But also remember that there are a lot of people out there that want to be your allies and never be, you, you don't need to be shy about moving up to someone and saying, hey, can you mentor me? Hey, can you assist me? And, you know, in getting to where I want to go to. And um, there are a lot of people that are willing, but you have to help help them give them a little bit of a clear direction in terms of where you want to go but just you know as women of color as people in general don't don't give up there are, there is the world is very fast it's very it's very wide there, there, there are plethora of opportunities and um, go for what you want to want to get and remember that even on the job if you don't um, maybe you're not as performant as you expect to be um, your job doesn't really define who you are. You're still a unique uh, person and you, you, you're still, you should surround yourself with people that validate that in you because, you know, you're worth a lot more than you think. And career-wise, don't stop learning. Um, I, the, the ladies at my school, even my employees, you know, or the people that report to me, as a matter of fact, I, um, I mean, I always encourage them and I there's nothing that makes me feel as good as when I see them growing in their careers and and um, for everyone I'll say don't stop learning keep learning there's a lot to learn and also keep sharing so um, I mean that's just kind of what makes the world go round and um, let other people learn from your strengths let them learn don't don't hesitate about sharing your your experiences and um, and pulling someone up especially as women and women of color, we should really always work as allies with one with each other, and also get out of your your comfort zone and your race to find people that can actually help you together. Because we really cannot; you can do it on your own. You you know, it's always teamwork. Great, that those are those are great uh, great ideas and great thoughts and um, to Thank to you. end by. So um, you know, just really just uh, really congratulations for all you've done and. Thank for being you. the mentor that you are for so so many women out there, um, and 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 keep keep up the the excellent work that you're doing, um, and really thanks for taking the time to to do this. Um, and for those listening, it's on a Sunday uh, afternoon here in in the U.S. So I in, in, it's a different time in Cameroon. So yes. thanks for doing this. I really really do appreciate this, and um, and so we'll be in touch. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Okay, my pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Women of Color, Advancing Peace and Security. Please visit wcaps.org 
That's WCAPS.org.